Welcome to Realty Uncut. Our daily shows are powered by CoreLogic and supported by Printforce and Realty.com.au. Hello and welcome to the show. Welcome, in fact, to our last show for 2021 and the first one for 2022. I'm delighted to say that our guest is a highly respected international digital and real estate leader. Steve Carroll keeps himself at the very cutting edge of digital trends, which has seen him visit and liaise with some of the top tech giants in the United States, including Google, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And he's regularly called upon as a guest speaker on digital innovation, on sales, and of course, on leadership. Steve is considered a preeminent authority on digital trends, but it's not about digital trends that we'll be catching up with Steve about in this week's show. It's about another one of his passions, one that I have to say he's been very, very successful at involving a large section of the Australian property industry already. And now he's out to increase that substantially. At Realty Uncut, we're very proud to support Steve with this project, and he's going to join us today to explain what it's all about, how you can get involved, and to introduce two remarkable people who are on this journey with him. Steve Carroll joins me in just a moment. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Welcome back and welcome to the show, Steve. Nice to have your company and good to see you again. Yeah, great to be here, Kevin. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the charity and the charity is called uh, Hands Across the Water. We'll talk a lot more about that in just a moment. But just to put it in context for me, Steve, if you could just, just talk about the synergy that you see with the property industry and how it relates to hands across the water? Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. Well, my grandma used to say there's, there's no place like home. And uh, I think we, we all agree, especially as we uh, head towards the festive season, that um, you know there's nothing better than having a home with the family. But across the world, there's many, many families and many, many kids who, who don't have that luxury. And uh, hands across the water, uh, are a charity that uh, give, give hope to many, many children living over in Thailand. And, um, you know, Peter and Claire Baines, who you're going to meet very shortly, once challenged me to say, well, look, you know, the real estate industry are experts at finding people a home. They're experts at helping people build a future. So can't you pull them together? And can't we do something special to help people that are less fortunate? And, and that's the synergy, Kevin. Yeah, you're a very passionate person, Steve, and we're very pleased to support you in this, uh, in this effort. Now, you're going to tell us in, uh, in just a moment before the end of the show exactly how we as an industry can become involved in helping you raise money for hands across the water. But before we do that, I'd just love you to introduce your two guests and just give us a bit of a background 
as to uh, you know why they're on this journey with you and uh, and how they fit into the scene, Steve. Yes, certainly. Well, well, Peter and Claire, I've known for many, many years. I worked with Claire uh, for a number year, number of years at REA and met Peter through through that connection. Um, let me start off with uh, with Claire. Claire is one of the most beautiful uh, human beings that you'll meet. Uh, she devotes so much of her time uh, to help others, and she's a real, real giver. And uh, I think you'll enjoy talking to Claire in a, in a few moments. Uh, Peter is uh, an incredibly interesting man. Um, he led the uh, Australian response team uh, and went over to Bali after the terrible terrorist attacks uh, in, in early 2000s and, and in the early 2000s. And his uh, job in the capacity of being a leader was to obviously uh, try and create some stability in all of this chaos and make sure that those injured uh, Australians returned home and those um, uh, Australians that were sadly killed uh, were returned safely to, to their families. And, um, and Peter's story doesn't end there because after the Boxing Day tsunami, uh, Peter again led the response, went to Thailand and helped, um, I suppose, again, try and create a level of normality uh, amidst incredible chaos uh, uh, and, and, and tragedy. And, uh, and I've listened to Peter over the years and obviously in the role that I've done at REA and News Corp, I've been blessed to listen to many, many speakers. Uh, there's not many more inspiring speakers than Peter Baines. I think you'll enjoy his company, Kevin. Well said, very good, Steve. And uh, welcome, Claire and Peter. It's uh, such a pleasure to have you on the show. And I, I, I guess it's unique in that we've got you both in the same spot at the same time. <laughs> yeah, good morning, Kevin, and uh, great to join you. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure, Claire, and I look forward to talking to both of you. Peter, we'll start with you, if we could. That experience that, um, that Steve mentioned there in his introduction to you must have given you a huge amount of takeaway in terms of, you know, working in a crisis situation, um, nothing more critical in the areas that you were working in. What lessons have you learned from that that you've been able to bring back into business management, I guess? Any stories you can relate for us? Yeah, certainly, Kevin. It's um, one of the things I say about working in crisis is it's just the, the critical testing ground for leadership. And uh, many of the challenges that uh, uh, leaders face, uh, regardless of the area that they work, and of course, we're talking to real estate uh, uh, industry today is that uh, their challenges in leading people and uh, uh, making tough decisions is no different than what we were facing in the, the structure that we were building um, either in Thailand or Bali or Saudi Arabia or any of the international areas I've worked. It's just the, 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 the context remains the same, but uh, the, the in, actual challenge is different. And, and I think about uh, many of the uh, lessons that uh, I took uh, from my time uh, working in uh, in these areas, and and I guess if I can just relate one of them uh, to you this morning, and and it's really about making tough decisions and and uh, and having the courage to make those, because as business leaders, our day is filled with making difficult decisions, be that on a personal or business level. And I think the more senior people are in the position, the tougher the decisions that they face are. And, and I share the story of this little fella on the screen uh, now, and he was in uh, the race of his life. 
or to be more accurate, it was a race for his life. And he held the hand of his grandfather and they were running from that wall of water that was the tsunami. Now, in front of them was a building and it was 50 metres away. And if they could get to that building, it, they knew that that gave them their best chance of survival. But they also knew they were never going to be able to outrun this wall of water, which was upon them. So granddad got to a tree and he climbed the tree and he dragged this little superhero to the top of the tree with him. Now they made it to the top of the tree. They were cut, they were bleeding and they had abrasions all over them, but they had survived. Yet there was no wild celebrations at the top of the tree because when granddad was running, he had this little guy in his right hand and in his left hand, he had his younger brother. Now, when granddad got to the base of the tree, he knew that if he didn't survive, none of them would. He also knew he couldn't climb the tree hanging on to both of his grandchildren. So he had a decision to make. Which one of his grandkids would he take up the tree and which one would he let go of? Oh, my goodness. And how do you make that decision? Oh. How do you decide who lives and who dies? He let go of this little guy's brother. He was washed away and he did die. And every day since, granddad was faced with, with this reflection on the decision that he made. But I think this is the important thing. And the question he asked himself was, could he have run faster? Could he have been stronger? Could he have made a different decision? But the thing is, he made a difficult decision and that, for me, is what leadership's about. And there'll be many people sitting um, or listening to this and who, who will be faced with, you know, significant decisions in their personal and, and business life. And some will lay awake for nights on end thinking, is what I'm about to do the right thing? They'll make that decision. They'll spend another number of countless nights awake thinking, is what I've done the right thing? But as I say, I think that the real test of leadership is the ability to make those critical decisions and live with the outcome. So I think, Kevin, when I, when I think about my time in Thailand in these different international areas, it's probably that one story that uh, captures for me um, the, the difficulty that sits with leaders. That's... Um... I don't know what to say after that. That's such uh, an incredible story. Steve, you've obviously heard that before. The, the impact of that story, it's a very powerful message, isn't it? Absolutely. And, um, you know, to, just to echo what uh, Peter just said, decision-making decision is part and parcel of being a leader. And, and often, and I think I probably stole this from Peter, uh, who, who, who said, you know, actually making a wrong decision is better than making no decision because at least if you make a decision it might be wrong but at least you're moving in a direction but if you make no decision you just create absolute confusion yeah i mean i i guess there must have been uh, so many other stories too or lessons peter that you've learned along the way i mean we heard from steve there at the at the opening about how many experiences you've had there must have been fairly harrowing yeah absolutely it was you know i arrived into to Thailand and, and of course we knew um, what we were flying into having uh, spent uh, uh, that time in Bali as Steve mentioned but 
you, you know, although my, my working career was filled with death and destruction, uh, I flew in a helicopter up to uh, a place called uh, uh, um, Bantham Nam Chai and uh, arrived at uh, this community of, of um, uh, Wat Yan Yao was a temple. And as we came into land, I could smell the death and it's, a, it's an unmistakable smell. And, and I arrived at the temple and walked in and um, all I could see covering the ground was the decomposing bodies of three and a half thousand people. And it was our job to identify these decomposing bodies because they're someone's brother or mother, uh, son or daughter and, uh, and return them home. And, and I think uh, at the time that I spent there, uh, a lady that stands out for me is, uh, is a Thai lady who, who had uh, uh, lost her, her son. And our role was to return the bodies once they'd been identified, uh, either to the foreign police who would return them to that country or to the Thai families. And, and this lady had driven six hours from the north of Thailand to collect the body of her son. And she came from an incredibly modest family in that she couldn't afford a coffin. And we'd been caught by this once before where we had to give a loved one back in a body bag. And Kevin, it doesn't matter who you are, no one deserves to receive the body of their child in a body bag. So to stop that happening, we went out and purchased some coffins ourselves to, to have them on the ready. And this lady arrived and we gave her the body of her son and we gave her a coffin. Now she had to be at the lowest point of her life. And, but all she could do was thank us for the work that we'd done that made me feel incredibly bad. She had more grace, more compassion uh, than anyone I've ever met. But Kevin, the world's not necessarily a fair place. And for some, it can be quite cruel. Because this beautiful lady didn't make that 12 hour journey just once. She didn't come twice, but three times she came to our site to collect the three bodies of her children. And she kept coming until she had no more family family left. And each time I saw her, she had that same level of grace, dignity and compassion and made me feel incredibly bad every day. But there was nothing that we could do. But the, you know, certainly the lesson I took out of that was that we should all at every opportunity take, uh, enjoy what we do or change what we do because we only get one go. Uh, Peter, they're, they're, in, they're incredible stories. Um, and for Peter and Claire, for both of you to be going through these experiences is really quite incredible. Claire, if I can come to you, um, because Steve mentioned at the, at the outset that you know, you've known each other for quite some time going back to the REA days. What is it that drove you to become involved in this? Because I understand you had you know, quite quite a, a, a big job at REA and you elected to give it up and go into this full time. What drove that, Claire? Why? Uh, yeah, look, I've always, you know, growing up and, and well into my 20s, I was always very much about giving back to others and, and wanting to help. And, and it was actually um, through the work that I did, I bumped into Peter on the speaker circuit. And, and it was actually that story of, of the grandfather that, that sparked something in me to, to wanting to do something more. And, 
and it was um it was I think 2010 I heard that story and and within a month I'd signed up to the fundraising bike rides that he does and um you know just with that that determination to go over and and meet the kids and and try and do what I could to support those kids so um so it dates back about 11 years um fast forward to 2015 when I left REA and and I think I just arrived at a point in my career where um, I enjoyed the work that I was doing through Hands Across the Water and I just wanted to do more of it. So I could see the, the tangible difference that we were making. Um, you know, we were, we were doing incredible experiences with our bike rides um, and I just loved it. It's that whole enjoy what you do um, and love what you do. So, so that was my journey out of corporate and into uh, full time with Hands. Wonderful. Steve, we'll hear from you in just a moment because we, we, I think most people in the industry know about the bike rides, uh, although I haven't been on one myself. I am an avid bike rider and maybe sometime in the future, who knows. But um, th there is another initiative that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But Steve, just before we do that, I, I just wanted to ask uh, Peter one more question. Uh, Peter, and that is about COVID. It's been difficult for for everyone, I guess, in business to both communicate and operate a business. How difficult has it been for you to continue to fundraise during COVID? I mean, you've got so many initiatives on the go that you've got to continually uh, fuel financially. Has it been hard for you? Yeah, it's certainly an understatement to say it's been hard. It's been the most difficult two years uh, since we've uh, well, since I started HANDS. And, uh, the biggest challenge that we faced is that we built hands on creating memorable shared experiences, so giving people an opportunity and value back uh, rather than just soliciting donations. So when all of our bike rides and all of our initiatives were shut down, uh, we lost over 70% of our income uh, last year. And um, uh, we thought that it couldn't be worse this year, but it was. And, um, you know, I think real success for us, and, and it's a difficult thing to measure when you, all you do is cancel events and you're losing, but the real success for us is that at the end of 2021, there's been no compromise on the level of care. We still fund the 20 kids through scholarships in university. We have 350 kids, all the seven homes remain open. And, and uh, whilst it's been incredibly difficult for the side of the business that Claire runs, it's, uh, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a true measure of success that we're still, still around and uh, next year uh, we'll come out and uh, hopefully uh, return or start the journey to back where we used to be. Mm -hmm. Claire, I'll come to you in a moment. Um, I just want to ask you, um, you know, what this means to the kids, um, but we'll come to that in a moment. First off, Steve, I just want to find out from you how we can help. What, what is it, the new initiative all about? Yeah, Kevin, if it's all right with you, before I just um, uh, answer that question, I'm just going to show a slide, get Peter to talk it through, of, of a young girl called Jip, because uh, this is, uh, for me, a really powerful story, a very motivating story as well. And Peter, uh, maybe I can just throw back to you and uh, you can talk through the picture of Jip that we've got up on the screen at the moment. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Steve. And, you know, Kevin, I think that the reason that uh, it makes sense to talk about the young girl, Jip, now is that, you know, when we measure our success and what we've done, um, we have these seven centres, we have all of these kids and, you know, with Steve and Digital Live and the real estate industry, 
Uh, first through Jealous Craig, we built a home for kids down at a place called Chantnaburi. Then we opened a digital learning centre up in Yossaton. And sometimes we can get um, caught up in these big projects. But as you'll see from this photo of Jip, she's 14 years old and she came to us in uh, uh, May of this year. Uh, she is incredibly sick. Uh, she has HIV, she has tuberculosis, and um, the, you can see from the frailty of her body that um, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that uh, uh, her life was limited unless there was intervention. And the, the, the really concerning thing for me is just the physical state of her and the fact that she was living with her family and they allowed her to get to this state where she's got festering sores all over her and in such a terrible physical condition. But the upside is this second photo that I show you now of her and just what a remarkable turnaround it's been within that short five months. You can see that she's received the medicine, she's received the health care, but importantly, she see, received the love that was missing. And uh, there's been a dramatic physical turnaround of her. And up until 2010, uh, a HIV home that we support now, kids were dying on a regular basis. And kids like Jip sadly would have died. And the lady that uh, we work with up there has buried 1,027 children in her long, uh, many decade uh, life of running that home. Well, the important thing is that when HANS got involved in 2011, we started providing access to all of the kids, to all of the medicine, all of the healthcare they needed. And something remarkable happened, uh, Kevin, the kids stopped dying. And that's, uh, that's the way it should be because HIV is no longer a medical problem. It's just one of poverty. And when you provide access, uh, you can do you know, amazing things. And we can't help everyone but we can all help someone. So thanks, Steve. It's a, it's a good reminder of the work that we do and the change we can bring about on individual kids. Yeah, well said, Pete. Um, Steve, how can we help, mate? Well, we've got a, a Zoomathon um, happening on the 23rd and 24th of February. So it was an initiative that Samantha McLean from Elite Agent and I came up with after we'd had a couple of uh, glasses of red wine. And we thought, what, 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 how can we get the industry, this big powerful industry to unite and do something really spectacular, fun and, and, and caring in, in 2022? Because let's be honest with you, 21 and 20 have been um, not the greatest of years. Yeah. And we came up with this concept of running a 24-hour Zoomathon where we'd have 24 real estate uh, leaders looking after 60 minutes, and it would be a little bit like pass a parcel. So, what Ray White would own 60 minutes. They would then they would have three or four guests. So, uh, a bit like a radio interview for 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 60. They would then pass it over to LJ Hooker, and we'd go. Uh, for 24 hours and set a world record. Now, 24 is now 33 because the response from the industry has been phenomenal. And, um, and not only have we got 33 uh, incredible uh, hosts, but each of those hosts are responsible for bringing two or three guests. So we've got about 100 voices 
that will share a wealth of knowledge and learning over a 33-hour period. And uh, we're going to put up a, a link, uh, which I think is going to go up uh, on the screen now, uh, where people can buy a ticket for $49. And uh, for that $49, you can tune in, you can tune out. Uh, no different to when Bob Geldof did Live Aid. You just tuned in and listened to your favourite bands. And when there was a band that you weren't interested in, you tuned out. And, um, and we'll, be, we'll be giving everybody who buys a ticket for $49 the full recording, which they'll then be able to listen to uh, for the rest of 2022. So amazing value, $49. You can buy your ticket through the link that's on the screen now. And I can guarantee this, Kevin, every single dollar of that 49, every single dollar will go to the children that is supported by Hands Across the Water. Okay, well, there's a link down below in the description to take you to that website. I encourage you to get on board. $49 and 33 hours of just... Well, I've, I've seen the guest list. The, the speakers are stellar and there'll be so much take-home value too. And great that uh, you'll be able to get a recorded copy at the end of that. Are you going to... Um, what, what, what's the goal, Steve, what, uh, in terms of how much you'd like to raise? Well, we've set a target of 150000 from this particular initiative. Uh, we've, mm. we've also got our first bike ride, uh, real estate industry bike ride in August. Um, I think we've got 20-odd riders already registered uh, for that. So yep. um, we'll be looking to make a, another 150000 200000 from that bike ride. So, so the goal... Uh, is Zoomathon bike ride north of 300,000 and uh, that'll go a long way to helping Claire, Peter and everybody else involved with uh, Hands Across the Water. And Kevin, if I, I could just make this point, you know, often the real estate industry, um, you know, it cops a fair share of criticism, um, you know, through, through, um, through various people who have had bad experiences. But you know what? My experience of the real estate industry is many, many, many people have got hearts of gold. And uh, once you can get them on the journey, uh, there's no stopping. And uh, it's been great uh, uniting the industry, working with Peter and Claire. And, and Kevin, it's great being able to share some of what we're up to, to you with you this morning. Yeah, wonderful. And uh, I, I guess just to... Uh, support what you just said, Steve. Just look at the number of people who've given freely of their time to be involved in this initiative. 33 of them are bringing along three guests each. So that's a lot of people who are supporting you. No one's putting their hand out for any payment, no, no more should they. Um, but, uh, you know, full, full credit. Uh, Claire, could I just ask you, uh, before we finish off, we're talking here about a quarter of a million, maybe $300,000 raised. What's that going to mean to the kids? Um, yeah, look, Kevin, it's... We, we talk about different parts of, of where our funding goes and, and Pete mentioned before, there's the, there's the bigger projects, but it's also, you know, the simple things like housing, food, shelter, love. It's, you know, there, there's that part of it. There's also creating education and future pathways for the kids. Um, so one of the mantras that we live by is that every child in our home deserves to live a life of choice. Uh, and so by providing them with access to that education that gives them that choice when it's time to leave the home. And, and I guess the third part of it as well is, you know, when we talk about um, children like Jip, and so Jip now lives in our home, she's getting the love, care, support that she needs, but there will be ongoing costs from a, 
counselling and support perspective and, um, you know, group therapy and, and, and different areas and, and funds that will need to be um, put into getting her mental health right. Um, so, you know, while it physically she looks fantastic, there's a long way for us to go to get her to, um, to a thriving young woman. So there's um, the 300,000 will have a huge impact um, on all of the, the 350 kids that we've got. It's been wonderful talking to you and uh, thank you so much uh, for spending some time with us. Uh, I wish you every success in what you're doing. Uh, and Steve, I just wanted to thank you for introducing uh, Claire and Peter to us and giving us the time to come onto the show to explain it. I mean, it's a wonderful opportunity for the industry. The links are below in the description. We'll bring up that website again now uh, on the screen for you to jump in and buy your ticket, $49, and it gives you access to the Zoomathon, which is on, I think you said 23rd and 24th of... Yep, kicks off uh, in the morning of the 23rd and finishes yep. on the 24th. And uh, the great thing about the Zoomathon, Kevin, um, when Australia goes to bed that night, um, the, the baton will be carried by international real estate leaders. We've got leaders from the UK, from Asia, from the United States, from New Zealand. Mm. And so the Zoomathon is... Uh, very much driven by the Australian real estate industry, but with the uh, help of uh, some of our mates overseas. Yeah, wonderful initiative, Steve. Congratulations to you and Samantha uh, on you know on a great initiative. I wish you well. We're we're delighted to be able to support you in this, and anything we can do to help, um, you know, just reach out, and we're more than happy to do it. Peter and Claire, all the best, and thank you so much for giving us your time today, and thank you to you too, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks so much. Realty Uncut is part of the Realty Media Group and is powered by CoreLogic and Printforce. See all our shows, Realty Talk, The Property Show, Realty Uncut and Auction Update at realty.com.au, the home of property.